I think I sent I think I sent Beth a message saying that she looked like an art teacher that would like teach the kids like encourage the kids to rebel but also tell them that it's important to clean their paintbrushes and I feel like that's very accurate. Good afternoon. Welcome to Forever in Bloom, um, an exploration of Jeff Goldblum's cinematic career. And we also investigate it and <laughs> we also celebrate it. Good enough. Um, and today we're investigating, celebrating and explorating uh, The word? Legend of Sleepy Hollow from 1980. Yeah, it's our bonus whoopsie. Yeah, we missed it somehow. Don't know how that happened, but we did. Mm. This couldn't be more of a TV movie if it tried, really, could it? <laughs> no. I mean, I, I quite like that even though we're watching these films that were made 10 years apart, we've just watched two TV movies in a row. <laughs> we just skipped um, two TV movies. Oh, also, I'm Liam. <laughs> oh, I'm Seb. And I'm Beth. And I was just going to say, we've watched two TV movies in a row and I feel like I'm at home with my mum. And I literally am, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, um, um, it's very TV and it's very 80s. And by very 80s, I mean tough to get through. I, you, you know, I just, I kind of disagree with you. Like, really? I agree with you. I agree with you on the objective part that it is a TV movie and it is 80s. But on the subjective part, I actually didn't find it that hard to get through. I thought it was, really? it was only an hour and 30 and I thought it flew by. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Oh, it felt like at least two hours for me. Well, it was an hour and 35, but yeah. Um, if it had if it had been an hour and forty, I would have allowed you to round it up to two hours. But it comes under the <laughs> one hour forty mark, so I'm not going to let that pass. I thought it were, I thought it was um, it had its really funny moments, which I wasn't expecting. I thought it was going to take itself very seriously, but it really didn't mm. at all. I thought it took itself very lighthearted. I really enjoyed mm. this, Jeff. I got quite big yes. Jeff energy from this. Like considering that this is like the furthest out of time, considering where he is. Like this is the oldest and. Like you said, the most serious that he probably should take a role because it's like old, old traditional style. But uh, he, he felt more Jeff maybe than or like some of the closest Jeff we've had so far, I think, in this. He was pretty charming. I, I, I'm kind of slightly charmed by the whole film, but also I did want it to be half as long. But that's yeah. just because I, I have a, I was going to say a love-hate relationship, but that's not true. I have a relatively hateful relationship with films set in explicitly this period and setting. Right, yeah. Um, I, I don't know why. What is like the period meant to me. be? Uh, Pilgrim Times. Sure. Uh, pr it's definitely pre-American Civil War. Right, yeah. That's my... That's, New I, America. You know, when, did, when was that in real life? I have no idea. I'm not a historian. Constitution, so between the seventeen and eighteen hundreds, I guess. Yeah, that late, tracks. Late seventeen hundreds. Yeah. We've got a very nubile Jeff in this. He's twenty-eight. Hmm. Yeah, Look. it does. It does feel like we've we've you know because we've gone back ten years. Yeah. He does. He does look suddenly very young again. He looks quite long, doesn't he? He, he got a bit mm. wider as he's gone on, but he's quite long in this. <laughs> I think maybe I that adds wouldn't... to it the idea of him being coming to this small isolate town and him being an outsider and he's mm. 
the longest of all the town, and therefore he's a threat <laughs> mm. to all the women. The uh, not and, and threat to the men and who he's will marry one of his main. He's antagonised almost exclusively by very wide men. By round men, yeah. And one mm. of them has my favourite name in all of Hollywood, and that's Dick Butkus. Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> the fact that that was his real his real name. Yeah, he chose that. He signed up to the Screen Actors Guild. He could have changed his name to anything, but he decided to go with Dick Butkus. It was a simpler I mean, time, wasn't you... it? People were naive. You could get away with that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think any period in time you say the words dick butt, anyone's going to laugh. <laughs> yeah. I like how Jeff was like the butt of the... But moving on, segueing through, uh, he was the butt of the joke in this film. He's <laughs> nice all, He usually always... We're so used to him playing roles where he's like the charming, sleazy guy who always comes out on top, or he's a bit of an yeah. underdog who like fights his way up. But in this, he is complete underdog. Like he's complete outsider. Um, it kind him. of makes me want to be on his side a bit more in this. Um, if we're looking at it, like how his roles make me feel about him as like this weird entity that we've created him as. <laughs> um, I actually cared for him probably the most in this film than I ever have in any of his other roles and I don't know why something about it I guess it was a lot of like the world against him people trying to set him mm. up just for being beautiful yeah because um, I mean what Dick Buck has played uh, Bron what was it Bron Bones Bron Bones yeah, which is also a name I quite enjoy like diving through the story because it's quite basic is uh, Jeff is Ichabod Crane who's the new schoolmaster in this like old American town and uh, a particular woman called Katrina Van Tassel, played by Meg Foster, uh, who was essentially being like arranged marriage by her father to Brom Bones, um, has she's taken a liking to Jeff because she wants, in her own words, a gentleman that she can walk on a beach with, and um, he Brom Bones decides to just fuck with Jeff and like make everyone think that he's insane in the same way that all the other schoolmasters have gone insane because. They're seeing ghosts and they're seeing the headless horseman and all this shit. So he's trying to get the whole town to turn against him. Quite a classic story, isn't it? Sort of like yeah, told over yeah. and over in many different ways. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think I counted eleven film versions of the Legend of Sleepy and Hollow. Like another like mm. twenty shows as well. Like it's there's yeah. So I many. wonder why it's been such a. a I guess it's I'm comparing. It's like almost like a Charles. Is it? It's not Charles Dickens, is it? I'm seeing no, it as that kind of level name. though. No, but it, like, it, it is. It is classic sort of literature it's, in that way yeah. Yeah. it's in public domain isn't it it's a public domain story yeah. so yeah. anyone can do what the fuck they want with it so yeah there's, there's and i guess it's quite a simple narrative in the sense that it can be twisted into like having any kind of meaning that you you know the director wants to put mm. onto it um in this it, i felt like there wasn't really much too much going on in terms of theme themeage no there wasn't really. too much to break down it was very much just like a it was like all shot in one park in Utah and it's like very obvious. It's yeah, all just like it's shot nice. in one little it's, clearing. Yeah, I quite I quite like that. It's, it felt it put me in a very familiar place, I think. Maybe it's just because I've grown up watching oh, this like kind the, of TV film or like you know, on the telly on a Saturday. It is the epitome of that. You get the fade outs to every like commercial oh, break. Yeah, I, like... I hate the fade outs, to be honest. <laughs> I love a fade out. Um, uh, I, what, I would say I think... to carry on. No, I was just gonna say like when I'm watching a film that was a TV movie and now it's not anymore. The, the sometimes I can forget, but the fade out immediately brings me back to ah yes, this was probably relatively low budget and yeah. probably not very good. And the, that fade will be immediately followed by a screaming advert about pudding or something. Yeah, like 
do you have you heard of Heinz's new beans where you yeah. get like collectible well, things? Well, it's 80s, them, you know, it's so, that sort of thing. Yeah, you would have had a lot of uh, microwave meals and and the new yeah. the new Auntie Bassett's pudding for all of the family. Yeah, chow down on like a like a, a sleepy hollow like themed like TV dinner oh, while no, watching no, this. Capitalism thing. hadn't reached that point yet. That's oh, what I mean yeah, about like the innocence of it all. Like it reminds me of a simpler world. Well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just <laughs> I mean, this weird thing. I've a simpler world. Fifteen years before we were ever born. <laughs> Going back, did you just say that they're putting like prizes and beans? Oh, they did that. They did that like a decade or something ago. There were some no, collectible sorry, things with Heinz beans. You're saying they put things in the cans of beans? What, like uh, cereal? That's why they, they used to do in, they cereal. They were They weren't in the beans, but um, you get you got these little like uh, voucher codes on the inside of the packaging pack, packaging oh, that you could right. then redeem, and they'd send you bean-related gimmicks. See, that to me represents that transition from when they put stuff inside the cereal boxes to then it becoming like a code that you get to download something off the internet to maybe win a prize or enter some kind of prize fund. That represents where humanity turned and went oh, wrong yeah. for me. That was, yeah. to quote the most recent episode of Reply All, the ribbon cutting to the decline. That <laughs> fucked everything. <laughs> um, but also, Seb, how the fuck do you know so much about 80s bean promotions? I th- well, I think it was the 90s. Um, well, then... And don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm a man with very specific interests, and sometimes <laughs> those are related to the collectible little bobblehead that you got in that you got by redeeming bean codes. Seb, I don't mean this in any offence, but were you one of those kids back in the mid-2000s who had um, a book with crisp packets that you'd collected? Absolutely not, because those people are... Absolute perverts. So, oh, okay. have I completely missed something here? What are you talking about? Um, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, um, before everyone had mobile phones, when people just had, like, you just collected basically whatever you could, and that being crisp packets to some kids. They collect, like, special, like, you know, when promotional you, um, press packets leaves. Of, of what are those alien crisps? Oh, yeah. Monster those. Munch? No, the actual alien ones that the little alien faces. What the fuck were they called? Oh, yeah, yeah. Space, uh, oh, well, what space invaders. Yeah. Mm. Things like that, basically. You'd have them in a Seb, book. How, I, Seb tried I, to I collected draw a Yu-Gi-Oh with... cards. Yeah, yeah, true. But I don't get how I was a Yu-Gi-Oh to... card, Pokemon card, you know. <laughs> crazy Bones? Do you remember Crazy Bones? I do bones? remember what Crazy Bones. What the fuck are Crazy Bones? I don't oh, remember Beth, what they did. Live. I just remember random shaped hunks of plastic. <laughs> they, no, they I had them, but what were they? They were uh, uh, you're supposed. There was a game you could play with them that was similar to marbles, where you like flick marbles at each other's stuff. Yeah. That's that's what the game was. Yeah, I have like a very vague memory of primary school benches and flicking hunks of plastic. Yeah, at each very other. few <laughs> people actually played them. They just collected them. Wow. We could anyway, go down this I... train for hours. We could talk about '90s nostalgia. And yeah, toys. we're completely in the wrong decade as well. But this movie this was from wrong... 1980. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say probably one of my favourite characters in this movie is uh, he's played by John Sylvester White, and his name is Fritz Vanderhoof. And he's uh, <laughs> if you didn't clock his name in the movie, he's the guy with the sideburns that yells oh, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, every every single line of dialogue that he delivers is just batshit crazy. Like I, I'm gonna put the time into now, like put into this episode, just like a supercut of his ridiculous delivery in this movie. Seems a shame, you fellas, with all your book learning, always come up short on common horse. Oh, bother all that, Mister. Oh, nice, very nice. You should write that down. 
Yeah, you bet. Parting is such we sorrow. And if the spooks don't get you, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she cooks pretty good, too. Are you all right, sir? <laughs> and she's strong, too, huh? She's strong. Not like these weak, twittery little ones you see all around these days, huh? <laughs> yeah. They're insane. There's one I wrote down. First of all, Jeff has, like, a very classic old times burn towards him which is that when he's like yelling to jeff ichabod crane about all the ghosts that are in the town he says mr vanhoff i wish to share your friendship without your eccentricity mm. like, that's such a classic I like that burn. A lot. yeah like, um but uh, uh fritz fritz vanderhoof it's also a great name is um good name giving jeff the whole speech about how the the headless uh, horseman ran the old schoolmaster off a cliff, who also has a great name, which is Winthrop Palmer. Um, There's lots of good names. <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of these old these old pilgrim time names are just generally quite good. Yeah, compared it's great. to like they they weren't called like Seb or Liam or Beth. They were called like Winthrop and Brom <laughs> and Fritz. And I think we should bring that back. Um, but yeah, he's telling this whole story to Ichabod about uh, this dude getting chased off the cliff. And after giving the whole thing, he's like walking away down the steps, just like mumbling, going, Well, real shame. Nice man. Too bad. Real well, shame. Watch yourself. Watch your steps. Sad story. Hope nothing like that ever happens to you. <laughs> like... <laughs> It's completely nuts. It's almost like sad story, and some of the other words were just like notes that had been written on the script. Like, yeah, he's like a bumbling old man. The whole absorbed everything this. on the page. Yeah. I do want to bring up uh, one of the opening. It's it's one of his first lines when he's talking to Jeff. Is actually um, that he explains a lot about how widows make the best wives, and it's a good thing for a bachelor to keep in mind. Um, I, I, uh, which is a weird energy. I feel bring, like this film but, um, has been like funded by the marriage council or something because so much <laughs> of this film is like throwing like pro marriage stuff down your throat. Like mm. he's too skinny, so it's like a married man you'll get fattened up, or like he's insane. It's like you get, you got to get married; it'll fix your brain. And it's like every situ situation someone has in this film, someone some old dude in the town is like, you just got to get married; that'll fix your problem. I guess it's it's highlighting like that this is you know living in this small community. The only thing they really have to look forward to in these long winters, the only thing that gets them through it is the idea that they're all going to get like married to each other. They're all going to procreate and have families and like, you know, extend the tribe. Ancestral utopia. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. It's almost yeah. like a cult, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. 100%. And I um, am so over anything relating to cults. Cause I feel like it's been just done to the point where I, I, I think the whole world is just one big cult now. Oh, so see what, now what's interesting is I was thinking of starting one. Um, <laughs> so I, I would love to get you on as a consultant, a cult sultant. <laughs> to, I'll take it just for work. the purely just for the um, the job title of cult sultant. <laughs> to be fair, we did have a die a out sultant? in this period between like the seventies and nineties. There was so many like essentially suicide cults that came yeah. around and like crazy alien cults about going onto the mothership, like Heaven's Gate and stuff and. Yeah, what, something happened in the nineties that all of those died out and everyone gave up on it. Mm. So it's the right time now to have a resurgence. Yeah, big time. Yeah. It's coming around. Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're having an eighties fashion resurgence anyway. So. So, so when are the to when are the cereal toys going to come back? 
uh, Wednesday, actually. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, so uh, I just want to bring up one other very, very early quote from the film, which is actually a Fritz, a Fritz um, Vanderhoof quote. Nice. Um, I want to make sure you get this one in there, which is that um, he's talking about how Brom Bones assaulted the last schoolmaster. Yeah. Um, and Jeff says, he assaulted him, and Fritz Vanderhoof replies saying, Assaulted, I peppered, and I roasted him too. <laughs> um, there were too many good I, lines from him that I didn't write I didn't write enough down. I was just like, I'm just going to find them all and cut them into the episode. Um, but yeah, I thought that was cool. I thought that was a good line. That so is much a about line. this film just felt like amateur dramatics as well. Like the dude that played Winthrop Palmer, who... I guess was like pretending to be a ghost for most of the film. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Um, has like the most basic amateur dramatics, like evil laugh you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. Like every laugh starts with an M. Yeah, do people actually... I've never come across someone in real life who laughs with an M sound. No. No. I just don't think it actually it's, happens. It's like a vaudeville villain kind of thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. Uh, there, are, there are a couple of things in the film, I think, that also made like no sense at all. And one bit of dialogue was between Brom and his like weak mate. Um, and they yeah, were yeah, who they was were, a strange, a strange. They were man. sawing a log together using one of those like double-handled swords, and it's not working. And his mate shouts, "You pull twice as far as I push, so that means I have to do twice as much work as you to keep up." And I just don't think that that tracks. The math in no, there I doesn't think, work. I, I think the whole the whole point is that he was very dumb. Like throughout the whole film, mm. the joke is that he's he's dumb, and therefore is is. Like every line he says is just a bit a bit wrong. Mm. <laughs> he's dumb and he's loyal to his best yeah. friend who he looks up to as this like inter like incredibly good looking and intelligent guy. The whole the whole community look up to him. Yeah, that's as... Dick Butkus. Is it is it Fred? Brom Bones, Dick Butkus. Uh, but yes, his yes. his little his little friend is Fred. Oh right, yeah. Um, that's, uh, um, what's his sorry, Fred looks up to Dick. Backus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frederick Dutcher is his name. Spelt with a C. I'm really confused um, by all these names. Um, it's beautiful. But, um, but um, like, the, he's even introduced in the, like, Brom Bones is there, you know, being like, I'll beat you up. And then Fred's in the background like, yeah, he'll beat you up. <laughs> like, he's very much that, like, like, he just, he just, uh, like, emphasizes and reinforces whatever the big man says. Leans out behind and shakes a fist like that kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> laughs at the same time. He's basically an extension time. of him. He's like yeah. Ron Bones is like fifth limb, Big sixth time. limb, however you look at it. Also, the other thing to me that made no sense was the fact that Jeff is explaining uh, the world to his kids in school and it's like spinning the globe and the globe bounces off a wood burner and sets the whole thing on fire. <laughs> yeah. But that's, suppo that's supposedly the work of a ghost. But the... But he's not a ghost. But it's proved at the end of the film that there is a ghost. Yeah, but... He but wasn't it's a about. human man, not a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, yeah, but that but, kind of... It look, makes, I, doesn't really make much sense because all of these weird um, ghostly things happen throughout the film and that, that at the end they uncover that it's just a, a bloke and it's like, well, how, that doesn't justify how he did all these weird things then, does it? 
Well, there is still the headless horseman right at the end, which is a ghost. But they, the the Winthrop Palmer is the dude that was pretending to be a ghost yeah. and wasn't the Mwahaha right. guy. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, mean, it does. The end. The ending of the film does imply that as soon as it cuts away, does it? Jeff oh, like and... the last few seconds. Yeah, yeah well, like it's, the freeze it's... frame at the end with the the headless horseman in the. Oh, woods. I thought that was just like a joke. I didn't think that was. Like... No, I think, I think that impli- I think that implies that he is about to run through and decapitate Jeff Goldblum. Oh, I well, hate films the... when they do that. So I think no, I think what it is Shoot. is like the original story. Ichabod Crane actually goes missing. Um, whereas what they've done is that he goes and goes back to Katrina's house and gets to be happily ever after, and the the headless horseman just goes back into the woods. So it's going to carry on like tormenting them basically. Um, mm. because he's just gone back into the woods and they haven't fixed anything. So they think they've solved it, but they actually haven't. And we as the audience are given this position of knowledge in the last two seconds of the film that we know more than they do. I think Jeff knows right at the end because... Uh, yeah. Uh, the the like the dad of the town, basically, is like... He basically says that uh, Winthrop Palmer was the one that was pretending to be the Headless Horseman and I just found him hanging by his ankles in the in the shed and the, the men have come and taken him away. And... Then Jeff says, but I was just chased by him. So if it wasn't him, then... And then you kind of see it like dawn on his face that he mm. realises the Headless Horseman's actually real. But like Kristen, whatever her name is, mm. um, Kristen Van Tassel says to him, like, she basically just uh, tries to distract him from it because she knows he's going to go insane if he keeps like diving down that avenue. I think that's what they were doing. Right. That, that tracks. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, another good line, which I think is one of my last quotes, is... Um, it's absolutely, I say good line, it's awful. It's wild dialogue, but it's uh, um, a dude that comes to drop off a book to Jeff and then gets startled uh, by the, the headless horseman outside when he gets brought around again. The headless horseman tried to do me and he did. Yeah, that's, that's good writing. That's not good writing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. It's like expository. It's like evocative. He tried to do me in, he did. Yeah. I feel like that would have Sorry, come across better with a Cockney accent. Yeah, it's like Dickensian child dialogue, isn't it? Like, yeah. He tried to do me in, he tried in, to he do did, me misters. in, he did. <laughs> Gosh, it... misters. So, like, so a key a key part of this film is um, Fritz van der Hoof trying to pimp his daughter, Thelma. Yeah. Um, who, her and her son, have the worst second name I've ever heard. Uh, I believe I have it written down here. Is it Dumkey? Dumkey, yeah. Well, she's double-barreled, I think. She's, um... Oh, f- oh she's Vanderhoof Dumkey Vanderhoof. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, the, but the kid, imagine... And also the kid, the little boy, they just call him Dumkey for the whole film. <laughs> I, imagine if for your whole life people refer to you as Dumkey. And there's a school there, so you know he's fucked. Oh, yeah. 100%. Brutal kids, mate, in, in early uh, And America. his dad died, which means, you know... He's gonna have it. He's gonna what get it loser. pretty hard. Yeah, in his there. dad's a loser because he died, and he's called Dumpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. But, um, um, so, uh, True Bloom, I actually gave this quite high. You know, I gave it a seven out of ten. I thought he was charming in it, and I think that's. I think that is pretty accurate. And there was one line specifically that made me. It was fairly early on that made me go like, "Oh, okay, we're getting a real Jeff in this." And it was um, when. Uh, Thelma Dumkey Vanderhoof decided to give him like an extra piece of pie. Have another piece of pie. Oh, oh, so big. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like delivery was just extremely Jeff. I got big Jeff energy from that. It's it's sort of it sort of struck me that the the whole time he was just having fun doing this film. 
It was like very like much he his was... style of like uh, quirkiness, you know. Mm, yeah, absolutely. He, well, yeah. Beth, what did what did you give it? Because I was I'm I'm on a seven with a uh, Mr. Lucas. I oh, I think we're all sort of starting to drink the same Kool Aid because I also gave it a seven. I think hell yeah. I, I um, think yours and my scores might vary quite drastically from here, though. Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, well, the I'm, scene I'm that confirmed admit. it for me, like with the with the bloom energy, was when he's teaching the other, uh, the women to sing, and he's like oh, yeah. getting some of his mm, hand movements. Oh my god, in there. yeah! And it's very um, it's very strong energy, and the way that he's like using his mouth um, kind of reminds me of like a way that he would perhaps get like warm up to portray a character that has yeah, like yeah. very fast spoken. It's like how um, um, in Wolf of Wall Street, Matthew McConaughey does that like. Mm-hmm. Thing and that's what he does like before every audition. So he yeah, that into the film completely that. We do get another version of Jazzy Jeff actually, don't we? He plays piano. Does he play jazz um, in this film? He, he doesn't play jazz. He plays. It, he plays like he I does, guess not early jazz. American version of jazz, <laughs> white jazz at that point. Do, do you mean Christian music? Yes. It, he he played. <laughs> he just he just played part of like a hymn. <laughs> But he plays piano, so that's what I call him. Um, yeah, okay. And it's genuinely surprised me. Like, I knew that he played piano and he was a jazzman going into this, but it's actually surprised me how many of these films so far he's played piano in. Mm. I expected it to come up a little bit. Like, does he, does he play piano in Jurassic Park? We've just all forgotten about it. I don't think so. Yeah, he plays no, the dino keys. <laughs> yeah, he makes it out of, like, the bones. He makes a piano. <laughs> yeah. He, he starts a jazz band with all the dinos. Um, I was. Um, I, w- I, was I mean, thinking... it would be something you would list on your like useful skills when you're applying for a role, like professional yeah. piano player. That would definitely be something that yeah, people true. would take advantage of. Speaking of um, uh, DIY pianos made out of dinosaur bones, <laughs> um, I have been. I don't know what put the thought in my head, but I've been weirdly preoccupied um, with the fact that we all just associate xylophones and skeletons. Yeah, that's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. You hear those you hear those plinky plonky xylophone sounds, you're like, hmm, skeleton. Do you think it's because originally they were probably made out of bone? It's the Flintstones, man. They fucked us. And yeah, oh. I think yeah. so too. They um, have fucked our generation. We've had a lot of like Zaygeist conversations this episode about things that fucked us as a generation. Yeah, man. Well, we're all <laughs> fucked, so what do you expect? Yeah. It's all uh, no, out. I think you are right though. I think like xylophones would have been made out of bones and because obviously you have mm. all the different lengths, have different like resonant frequencies. And then you would have drums made out of like animal skin and all this sort of thing. So they're like using every part of the animal and making instruments and stuff. Maybe they were called xylobones oh. when they That's, first came out. I was out. about to make that joke, That's a fucking Well, I'll beat you. I mean, it was Primo. the most obvious joke that was going to come out of that little bit. So. We are going to get, I, uh, I'm going to see our followers rocket off the back of that. In fact, maybe I maybe wouldn't put that joke in because it might like you know like storm rush our fame. Don't want to get too big too fast. Viral. I just I don't know if I need that like kind of ego to. We need slow growth. Yeah. Beth will leave us behind if if she gets the (laughs) she gets a bit. My comedy career is going to (laughs) be skyrocketing after that gag. I'm telling you. (laughs) You just go at stages around the world. Tell that one joke and get and walk off. (laughs) Yeah, Beth's gonna like Liam. We're not gonna hear from her for two weeks, and then we're just gonna like open twitter or something we'll just see that Best people are going like mad the over the new the new the new guest on like whose line, anyway? you know? who's line is it anyway you mean the, the the improv show from the 90s seb is that the yeah. most recent <laughs> thing you could get i don't watch tv i don't know TV show. oh guys guys sorry sorry um sorry edgar wright's just phoning me so <laughs> <laughs> well let's let's play ourselves into the next section using a xylophone. Oh. um uh, I gave it 
I only gave it a four for craft because I thought it was. I gave it a three. I mean, it was a it was a made for TV movie in the same park in one. You know, it wasn't great. Made for poop. It was three for me. Okay. Okay. I gave it a four. Yeah. I don't know why. I felt like being generous. Uh, it told a story well, and that's mm. very much for me part of it. I can forgive like. I can forgive um, slightly if it lacks in visual elements, if it makes up for it in its storytelling. I feel like it did mm. to an extent. Mm. And the characters I cared about. I cared about these characters more than I have in the last like five films we've watched. I cared about Fritz van der Hoof and Ichabod Crane. Everyone else in that movie really can <laughs> suck a butt as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Um, I didn't feel that strong. I didn't feel, I think, so I think I'm going to be like a, a moderate between you two today. I don't feel <laughs> as strongly in either direction about that. But I, I did enjoy it. I did give it a six. Jeez. I had a good time. What'd you give it, Jeez. Beth? I gave it a six. Wow. Hell yeah. Beth, we've given it the exact same scores. Have we? Yeah. Wow. I'm about to bring the median down a bit because I gave it a two. <laughs> A two! Liam, are you joking? Why did no, you try I and actually... sabotage everything I care I'm about? I'm not. I just gave it a two. I haven't changed it. It's there as is. <laughs> no, he, I, I bet he came onto this call, like, steaming about it. And his enjoyability <laughs> was at ten. And then he's seen that we're having a good time and he's bringing it down. Yeah, every time you two laughed, I took a fucking digit off. <laughs> <laughs> now, this movie did remind me that well, I'm really glad to be out of the 80s, though. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's true. It was like, you know what this film was like? It was like, we've come out of the 80s. We're like out of this horrible, like infectious decade. <laughs> and then just to make sure that we are fully like immune to it now, we've given ourselves a little like injection of it mm. so our bodies can create thicker antibodies so we never have to touch an <laughs> 80s film ever again. This is the vaccine of the 80s. I didn't want to talk about the vaccine in that way, but it just came out as I was rambling. <laughs> and yes, yeah, very much drawing parallels between our film watching and and the toilet fire that we're all living in (laughs) (laughs) so beth i don't know how you're gonna feel about this oh it's gonna be low isn't it no 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 it's number seven what oh oh god what does it beat though (laughs) uh it's by one by one singular point it is beaten next stop greenwich (gasps) village what Uh, um that is still you know my favorite that was still my favorite film out of all the films we've watched that was my fave. I can't believe this has beat it. That might be yeah, your, well, your one change you can do. Your one leaderboard ruffling. Um, but this is currently sandwiched directly between Next Up Greenwich Village and The Right Stuff. Fair. Right Stuff sucked, man. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, but that's fine. I think you've got rose-tinted glasses, my dude. I, ge- I gave it good scores at the time. Wow. What the fuck was The Right Stuff? The uh, first man in space... Chuck Yeager, oh, not space. Yeah. Uh, first man to break right. the sound barrier. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, to be fair, I rated it higher than either of you two for that one. So yeah, well, you're a space boy. You like you're. A, I mean, I, I am a space boy. I also love space films, but you've you you even like shit space films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of the time, I do, <laughs> um, and I'm not going to even deny that fact. Um, sadly, there is no tagline. There was no tagline. No tagline anywhere. I looked for a long time. Really? Well, that's quite sad. It's TV movies, isn't it? I think you should write three anyway, and then we guess which one we reckon they would have picked. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fun game. How do I know if it's right? Well, you can just you have power. Cool. So then you're never going to win. Oh, that that just says a lot about you, Liam, rather than me. You know. Yeah, probably. (laughs) 
I'm trying to think of a good tagline for this film, and I can't think of one. Yeah. Maybe that's what the problem they ran into was. Yeah, doesn't deserve it. More like, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, I think that was a good choice. Seb, I know that you have, um, that you spent a long time writing a whole paragraph of Bloomiverse theories for this movie, am I right? So, so yes and no. <laughs> I did, and I've become less of a fan of it with, with the distance of a week. Right. So, father and, Fathers and Sons, Father and Son is going to be our first, like, full-on... Okay. So you're just full-on narrative you're gonna, um, experience. Uh, you're going to fic tease us, mate. Is that what you're going to do? That's what I'm going to do. I mean, I could, I could just, and maybe I will. Maybe I will just Google um, Jeff Goldblum Sleepy Hollow <laughs> fan fiction. You lazy motherfucker! Give us the actual Bloomiverse. Just to see if there's something here, you know. Hmm. <laughs> uh, there's not. There doesn't seem to be any, actually. I'll be honest, it doesn't surprise me that anyone has written any fanfic about the 1980 TV movie, <laughs> The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Uh, what's, um, what's your Bloomiverse, though, I, d- mate? I, have, I have just found out uh, that the, the initial was actually called Rip Van Winkle and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the What is with these names, the book, man? The book by Washington Irving in 1790. So if that was the original name, we would have had Rip Von Winkle, Fritz Vanderhoof, Winthrop Palmer, and Thelma Vanderhoof Dumkey all in the same movie. You would have also had Ichabod Crane because he wasn't a replacement character. He was just a different person in the Ah. film. Um, And it was included in the animated Disney thing... Uh, Disney Disney cartoon in se- in 1977 called The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I feel like you're stalling because you don't have any Bloomiverse things. No, I do. I do. I just don't <laughs> I just don't have the paragraph that I wanted to have, but I have a theory nonetheless. Okay. Um but this is, the, in terms of human time, in terms of our accepted human history timeline, mm. this is the earliest we've ever seen him. Yeah. Um, and he, he seems unjaded by the human world at this point <laughs> in time. He, like, even, even in a town full of people who are, you know, putting him down quite a lot constantly, mm. he, he comes with, like, chutzpah and, like, enthusiasm to, like, every... <laughs> Every um, interaction he has, yeah, and he's quite clumsy in this film. He does you know. like almost fall over constantly. Yeah, and so like we were talking about last week with our rehabilitation stuff. Yeah, uh, I wonder if he, he's very early in his time on the earth at this <laughs> point, and he spent more time around horses than people. <laughs> Got them um, Bambi based legs. on the. Yeah, based on the time period, so he has Bambi legs, um, because because he's constantly like taking big gangly steps. He trips over things, he knocks tables over, um, and it's not even that he's like a big, strong, clumsy man. He's just clumsy. Yeah, he's he's a long, thin, and, clumsy man. Whereas yeah, Dick and it's, I think it's like supposed to be an endearing quality, but yeah, well, Katrina thinks so. Who he who yeah. was betrothed to at the end of the movie. Mm. But um, so my, so my here's my theory. 
I don't think we're ever going to see him earlier in human time than this film. Interesting. I think that's Is that probably an true. Guess from looking through his other movies, or just a complete stab in the dark. Complete stab in the dark. <laughs> Because this is set in 1790, apparently. I mean, that's all this Bloomiverse theory ever is, isn't it? It's this wild stab in the dark. Beth? (laughs) We don't know anything. (laughs) It's not like you've got a team of researchers. Yeah, you have to fire them. You don't don't know. (laughs) Seb, your cat does not qualify as a team of researchers. (laughs) Well, but no, but me and him together do. (laughs) Because then there's two of us. And actually, he's not, he's not joined us today. He's off doing something else. Oh, I've right. hired my cat as a um, social media assistant. Nice. Nice. It's an nice internship, so she's not paid, but I'm making work unpaid overtime as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've got to keep up with all the big dogs, you know. We've got to have all the unpaid slave labour if we're going to compete with all the big dogs. conglomerates. Sorry. <laughs> keep <laughs> up, we've got to keep up with the big cats. Sorry, Beth. Did you know that cats make 71 cents of a man's dollar salary? <laughs> I meant to say dogs. I fucked it up. Wait. Give us a clean take. Give us a clean read. Did you know, Liam, that cats make 71 cents of a dog's dollars? <laughs> wait, wait. Did you know, oh, Liam, mate, that cats make... I wish make... I had a fucking siren button right now. Did you know, Liam, that cats like, make... Oh, I give up. Yeah. I fucking give up. Just cut it out. I don't care. <laughs> it wasn't even funny. The joke was there. Don't know why people, I can, people can piece it together. Can you? Yeah. Can you just like make like mash something together out of that three take mess? Yeah. I'll, just... be, I'll give you a Frankenstein joke at the end with like Thank a word you. from each sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that a cat makes a dog for every seventy-one man? <laughs> um, um, uh, my point. My point being at the. My point is. I think he's maybe had only one or two vessels before this point. Interesting. I so think, I think this is very early. So also early in his pianist's career, or is that something yeah. that he was just gifted with from birth? I have to assume that there weren't pianos where he comes from. Wow, that's that's a bold claim to make. Yeah, it's it's I it's a gut feeling thing. A man you know, that's so he's played been... piano in more films than he hasn't, and has a jazz band with multiple albums. <laughs> You're yeah. saying. That before he was in the 1770s as Echobod Crane, he'd never seen a piano before. <laughs> yes. But he can and just I, play I, hymns perfectly. Well, he's practised before we see him in the film, because oh, he went yeah. to... Uh, I th- so, so something is maybe... So if he lives all of these different lives, he almost definitely doesn't have, like... You know, he's going to be meeting new people... Every every cycle, he's going to be falling yeah. in love with new people, and people are going to be dying and whatnot. I think he has a, an eternal love that he discovered when he landed on Earth the first time, and it was jazz, and it was jazz, <laughs> and he may, maybe he played a xylophone made out of dinosaur bones early on, um, and I he just discovered had to watch music. Beth stifle a yawn at the word jazz. <laughs> <laughs> notice, um, notice, stifle for you, Liam. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> but yeah, so I I think maybe his one true love is the piano. Yeah. Um, and that's why he plays it all the time. And every maybe that's his one skill that every time he gets a new body, he doesn't have to relearn. It's yeah, just, he was it's chosen. You strong. can carry your your grade eight jazz theory over with you, or you can learn to walk again every time. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think he's got his priorities in the right place. Um. 
I mean, yeah, it only takes you like two, three years to learn to walk as a child. It takes people at li- like five, ten years to be oh, a yeah, prolific jasmine. So yeah, and as accomplished yeah. as he is, mm. with the repertoire mm. of songs that you can just burst out at any moment sporadically without any practice. I would love to think that every single time he does this, it's not written into the script, and he's just like, "Ooh, piano," <laughs> and just runs over to it and won't get yeah, off. Yeah, he just so sees a just piano on set, and the, the camera just happens to be in the right place to capture oh, multiple perfect. angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how yeah. film works, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's all a complete accident. Just chance. That's that's synchronicity. They yeah. do it, the, all the film is done like a play in a one hour and forty minute take. People are running, screaming the whole time, and it just happens to work. It's why Avatar is so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that actually has been done. Yeah, yeah. It's actually yeah. <laughs> Gold, golden blooms, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so We've got no go- taglines. Yeah, no taglines. My golden bloom is, and I will cut the audio in again, because I definitely have already said it before, is his reaction to getting a big piece of pie. Oh, oh, so big. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My Golden Bloom is when he's, um, the, the faces he's making when he's in the choir lesson and he does this one where he like pierces his lips and he just looks really cute. <laughs> actually, I actually kind of fancy him in this film a little bit. Oh, I never, yeah, ever fancy I get him. that. Young Jeff is an absolute dish. Long yeah. hair. I think it's the long hair. So is old Jeff, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. you know. All Jeff. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to choose a bit right at the beginning of the film when he's hanging upside down with a dog barking at him. That was almost going to be mine as well. Yeah, there's some, there's <laughs> something sort of almost childishly entertaining about watching him dangle in front of her. And then you can tell this is made quite cheaply because the, when it cuts away, he's like a foot above the ground. <laughs> like, like he falls and he doesn't fall, he just steps. Yeah. <laughs> like he steps off the trunk onto the floor again. But the whole time it was made to look like he was, you know... High up, up, hiding from dogs. But just him him dangling from a tree with a dog barking at him. There was an energy to him that I enjoyed at that point. <laughs> well. Um, I, I have a suggestion. Interesting. For something that we could say sometimes. That's bold of you. Continue. I know. <laughs> I, well, I've traditionally come with bad ones. and I Today might be a continuation of that, but it might be good. Um... And Beth, you know how you like the baby bloomers thing. Mm. I want to. I want to join in, oh. and uh, the sign-off could be "Stay golden, baby bloomers." Oh. Mm. Well, if you try saying it yourself, rather than rather than uh, "Stay golden, baby bloomers." Yeah. Stay golden, comma. Mm. Baby bloomers doesn't didn't I feel you- as good. I thought you were going to kind of come out with absolute gold then, and you came out with that. I, I did. <laughs> I can't say anything that's pre-prepared. Like I can't be. I can't say anything I've been told to say because I just come across as '80s receptionist. <laughs> I just genuinely <laughs> can't. Phone voice activates. Well, maybe that's I'm just our ki- bit that we're, every time we have a different ending tagline because we can never fucking decide on something. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna keep coming with new ones whenever they come to mind. You know. Cool. Nice. We'll have we'll have a wealth of them. Can't maybe wait. We just, maybe we just have like stay fresh cheese bags, as you know. We both love that as a as a sign off. <laughs> I mean, doesn't make I don't any think sense it's context. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not contextually relevant. It's yeah. just a fun thing to say. Yeah, and that's that's what this is, really, isn't it? 
just a bunch I mean, of fun if you, stuff if you think to about say. it if you think about it life is just a bunch of fun stuff to say oh, and then wow. you die so i guess that's time to wrap it up now isn't it yeah, yeah. probably i feel like I so put the you put the button on it. The end. yeah um, um usual things please share the show it really means a lot if you do tell people that you're enjoying it and try and swindle your friends into it if you can um Get in touch with us if you want to on Instagram at Forever in Bloom or Forever in Bloom at gmail.com. Um, sort of rate and review the show on iTunes or whatever if you can. Um, are there oh, other... wait, hold on. What? I have a, I, I, sorry, I have a better Golden Bloom, a quote I've just remembered. Okay, sure. I, it just, it overtakes everything else in this film, <laughs> which is that at one point, Jeff says intently into Fritz Vanderhoof's eyes and says, um, I've got it written down here. Um, Discovered wonders provide a spice to a man's life. Wow. Oh. Uh, and um, if that's not beautiful, what is? Also, Seb, how much I... Jeff? Ah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, we had a whopping 37 minutes and 45 seconds, which it's is really actually not, not that long. Yeah, considering. Not <laughs> whopping and not very much. <laughs> a whopping well, underwhelming. A, third, a whopping third of the film, and he's basically the main character. What the yeah. fuck were they doing in the rest of the film? Fuck knows. Uh, that's it, right? We did it. Have we done it? Have we yeah, done we it? Yeah, we've done it. Um, Little bonus app. Yeah, sorry for missing it. We'll try not to do it again, but I can't promise that because we fuck up. And yeah, no, no promises from me. Um, thank you for listening. And I've said all the things I need to say. Is there anything else, people? You two, any other last final thoughts? Stay golden, oh. baby bloomers. I'm not saying that. that. Yeah, I, I refuse that? to say that. You've totally tarnished my saying. <laughs> Beth, you, look, you, 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 you do whatever you want. I'm just trying to bring some, some extra c- class. Well, Bye, everyone. To this ship that we've got cool. going on here. Bye. Bye.